Virtual itself has raised over 120 million on the platform and over 160 successful offers. So um, we're very much the largest platform um, in Australia that does what we do. And you know our funding volume on the platform has, has been growing um, you know, close to 100% year on year. Welcome to Fintech Fun. Fintech Fun is a podcast where Australian fintechs come to share their stories. Hi, it's Chris Titley here as part of the Fintech Fun podcast series. I'm joined by Matt Vitale, co-founder of Virtual. Matt, g'day, how are you going? G'day, Chris. I'm really well, thanks. And Matt, uh, how did uh, how did Virtual begin? Tell us about the story, the origins, and the history of the business. Um, it's been around uh, for over ten years. Um, the UK's probably got the most mature industry um, in the world, and the platform started to emerge there in 2010 to 2011. We were thinking, Australia, that is, you know, government was thinking whether Australia should have something similar to uh, the UK's equity crowdfunding regime and put out a discussion paper through um, CAMAC, the Corporations Markets Advisory Committee, um, back in 2013. And um, Alan, uh, my business partner and co-founder, um, who also co-founded Possible, made a submission um, as part of that uh, discussion paper. and. I was a young lawyer at a um, at a law firm, um, seeing this innovation happen in the UK, and um, made a submission myself personally. And then um, it took some time for the legislation to pass. But Alan and I got talking over over several years um, about an opportunity uh, to build an equity crowdfunding platform. And finally, the legislation was passed in 2017, um, and uh, we worked really hard on getting our financial services license, and we were one of the first seven uh, to be authorised to host crowdfunding offers, uh, crowdsource funding offers in Australia as an intermediary. Um, and haven't looked back. It's been a, <laughs> a wild ride since. And Matt, crowdfunding um, in its own right, has, as you mentioned, has been around for a long time, but you want to give the listeners a bit of 101 exactly what crowdfunding is? Yeah, for sure. Look, um, there's a few different types of crowdfunding and I think most people uh, would be familiar with um, or the mind would automatically go to platforms like Kickstarter, Indiegogo um, and Possible. And and these platforms operate on a reward crowdfunding model. Um, So with reward crowdfunding, um, you know, you'll get uh, the project, you know, a product or, you know, whatever it is that the the project creator is, is trying to create, but something nominal in return, you won't get a share in the company. And this is probably the major tension that existed between reward crowdfunding and what we do, which is equity crowdfunding. Um, the you know highest profile example of this is uh, Oculus. Um, so there's a you know VR company um, that they you know crowdfunded uh, headset on Kickstarter. Um, they were raising about two hundred thousand. Um, I think they uh, that that project raised around two million in the end. But 
um, it was reward crowdfunding. So people were pre-purchasing these VR headsets. Um, Facebook um, ended up acquiring Oculus uh, for a $2 billion valuation. Um, but because the people that backed through Kickstarter only got the headsets, and in some cases, many of them were still waiting on the headsets to be delivered, um, you know, they didn't get a share of, of the upside or an appreciation in value because they weren't part of the business. They just, you know, supported the business and saying, you know, I'm, I'm happy to put my money up and pre-purchase this product that you're delivering. Um, so they all missed out, you know, all of these backers and, and probably highlights the, the key tension that exists between the two models. With equity crowdfunding, it is an offer of securities. So people are becoming investors and it's, you know, equity capital. So they're, um, you know, there for the upside, but the capital is at risk as well. And um, because of that, it's highly regulated, um, as you would expect to be. Um, uh, retail investors are probably the, you know, unique um, feature of, of what we do. Um, uh, in contrast to, you know, other sources of finance that, that um, typically are only um, available to you know to wholesale investors, um, and it's uh, you know bringing I think some standardisation and sh- shining a light um, on uh, what has historically been you know pretty uh, opaque industry um, you know venture capital investment and, and things like that you know the deals haven't been able to be advertised um, like they can with equity crowdfunding so it's. Uh, you know, bringing some, I suppose, much needed regulation and standardisation to to venture capital. We've seen a, a bit of a trend with syndicates here in Australia over the last six or 12 months of people um, putting their own syndicates together. I'm always curious around how that works from a, uh, a financial product point of view, being sophisticated and wholesale, as you mentioned before. What does crowdfunding do differently to that to allow me to potentially put in $300 into uh, a fast-growing startup? Yeah, so, I mean, the difference, the fundamental difference between the two examples you've given is that um, with equity crowdfunding, people are investing in the company directly. So, you know, if you're investing $300, you'll get $300 worth of shares and you'll be on that company's cap table. Um, If it's, I mean, it depends on how the syndicate is structured, but like if there's, you know, a a fund, sometimes they use with like unit trusts and things like that. Other times, you know, um, a group of investors will be investing um, uh, uh, separately, but collectively. Um, uh, But, you know, I suppose the fundamental difference is this this direct connection with the the company, um, but also the ability for retail investors to be involved. and Matt, when it comes to a company that that lists on your platform and raises through your platform on the crowdfunding side, what 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 do you think is a is a major benefit besides capital when they come on and list through you? Uh, look, there's there's a few, and um, it's really yeah, be, being a public offer of securities. Um, you know, we really lean into the relaxed advertising restrictions that we have to work with with crowdfunding. So, you know, PR, digital advertising, just building this awareness um, for the company, a company and its opportunity, is something that you don't really get if you're doing, you know, a private deal or historically how these early stage deals would be done. Um, you know, the, the usual pattern of events would be. Um, you know, company kind of pitches to, you know, multiple professional investors, but isn't advertising their offer and then they close their rounds. And then if you're lucky enough, you know, you might get an article in um, 
the startup press or maybe the AFR um, kind of usually standing in a laneway against the brick wall or something, arms folded, and yes, the deal's done. Um, but with equity crowdfunding, you you get to build your brand awareness while you're marketing your offer. Um, so, you know, that's a key benefit and a lot of companies can kind of reconcile the investment to uh, build awareness for their capital raise with just building awareness for their business. Um, the second is, you know, you can potentially end up with hundreds or thousands of investors as a proprietary limited company. So that's one of the game changes of crowdfunding is PTYL to their companies that usually um, would need to convert to a public structure once they got over 50 shareholders um, can now have a potentially unlimited number of shareholders because anyone that acquires shares through a CSF offer is not counted for the purpose of that test. Um, so what this does is enables uh, companies to have a wide audience of investors that can be useful for a variety of things. Um, you know, just general advocacy uh, in the market, um, referring people to their business, um, you know, any, any number of things. Um, you know, the, the opportunities, I suppose, are endless and really depend on um, on, on the company and um, what value, you know, they can get out of building this community. But But that's really the key. It's, you know, a company has to like buy into this notion of um, having a large uh, you know, number of supporters and building a community um, and they get out what they put in. You know, if you're investing in building the community and, and getting these shareholders to be engaged in your business, um, that'll usually, you know, um, provide benefits to the company. Um, uh, but if, you know, if some companies just find this um, too confronting um, mm. and, it's not for everyone and, 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 and that's okay. You know, there are other types of capital, um, that, that companies can, can seek if, if, um, building a community of passionate fans is not their bag. And Matt, in regards to the progress of your company in its own right since inception, how has the business gone? Yeah, it, it's, um, it's growing really strongly, which is, which is tremendous. Um, we, Publish some industry reports. We've just recently published our funded report, um, which tracks the performance of the crowdfunding industry um, over the financial year. Um, so, like in total, the industry has um, uh, uh, raised over $185 million across over 240 successful offers. Um, Virtual itself has raised over $120 million on the platform and over 160 successful offers. So, um, we're very much the largest platform um, in Australia that does what we do. And, you know, our funding volume on the platform has, has been growing, um, you know, close to 100% year on year, which is um, what I think you would expect with uh, a new industry. Um, certainly, we look to overseas industries, the UK and the States as relevant precedents for the growth that we can expect during this ramp up phase. But um, we're just, you know, really committed to making early stage businesses and, you know, investable um, and attractive asset class for wealth creation for, for everyone. And Matt, putting the, the hat on for the future, if we do this interview in, in six months or 12 months' time, where would you like to see virtual be and all the, the offerings that, that you um, come to market with? Yeah, it's, um, it's an interesting one. Um, I mean, our growth initiatives really uh, building out additional products and services to, you know, um, make this an investable and, 
you know, popular attractive asset class for investors. So um, we've got a new uh, stakeholder reporting tool, which um, we're calling Virtual Engage, um, which will help companies manage uh, their investors or maintain this flow of uh, communication with investors post their raise. This is something that we, we see that some companies are doing really well, um, but other companies uh, probably have some areas to improve on, and we want to make this as easy as possible for them to, you know, for them to get all of those benefits that I've mentioned from um, building an engaged community. Um, the second thing that we're working on is uh, looking at um, some, you know, secondary trading or liquidity solutions um, because, you know, these are unlisted investments and it's, um, you know, like any private investment, it's, uh, you know, your opportunities to trade out of your positions are not as easy as, um, as they are in a listed space, as you would imagine. Um, but, you know, we, we, to drive confidence and, um, you know, improve the, the utility of equity crowdfunding for investors, we, we think that a lot of work needs to be done on this secondary trading front, and that's, that's what we're committed to. Um, and then other than that, just, just increasing um, funding volumes. Um, I think, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, uh, the tech industry at the moment and valuations coming down and, and VCs kind of, you know, taking their foot off the pedal a little bit through these choppy conditions. Um, but, you know, in a sense, we, we've been through this before, particularly at the start of the pandemic. And what we saw that um, equity crowdfunding was um, amazingly resilient uh, and still open and still able to deliver capital to uh, to investors. So um, we're very hopeful that, uh we you know have a, a role to play in um, you know backing founders and, and getting capital to them even during difficult conditions. No, absolutely, and that's interesting on that secondary market because that might become a bit more relevant than ever with people that um, you know maybe maybe uh, early staff or people that are early investors that may want to take some liquidity to fund a mortgage or whatever it might be. I think it's a very interesting space, and and you've seen some establishment of some funds here. In Australia, let's go on to a little bit of uh, a little bit of the fun part, if, if quote unquote fun. Um, Matt, um, when you um, don't think about crowdfunding, um, what do you do in your spare time? Do you get a chance to wind down? Is there a particular thing or do or hobby that a lot of people may not know about or may know about? Um, look, not as much um, lately. Not as much as I used to. I think I'm probably um, uh, burning the candle at both ends at the moment, but. Um, Look, I really like cooking. Um, you know, my father's a chef. We're kind of a hospitality family. So, you know, always been interested in food and, and things like that. Um, but I'm also a father of three. So, you know, my kind of um, outlets uh, at the moment is, is living vicariously through my kids. So, you know, my son plays club footy on the weekends and, you know, does nippers and we, we got away and he's kind of learning how to surf and, um I think that's yeah. The the downtime is um, efficiently kind of commingled with uh, with family time as well. So and and if I come over to your place, mate, what what are you uh, what are you cooking? What's your signature? Well, if the weather's good and we can get out in the backyard, um, I think uh, some dry aged ribeye steaks from Gary's Quality Meats at the Paran Market. Um, that's a good plug. Some of those. <laughs> Yeah, so no, he, he's my butcher. He's a good friend, and um, yeah, best uh, best dry aged meat in Melbourne, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, we'd be eating some ribeyes. Ribeyes, good, and and then we'd be watching the footy. Uh, which uh, team would we be supporting? 
I barracked for Carlton, who's oh much, right, actually uh, a danger yeah. game this weekend. Just for the listeners out there, we are recording prior to a Brisbane versus Carlton game uh, at the Gabba on Sunday afternoon. Unfortunately, I won't be there. My son will be there, who will be barracking for the other team, which is Brisbane. But a very very close fight for top eight positions coming. Uh, a crucial game this weekend. Would you not? Would you think so as well? Oh, absolutely. But, you know, as a Carlton supporter, I do feel it, it feels kind of weird being um, in this position, certainly the position on the ladder at this time of year. It's been um, it's been tough going the last 10 years. I, you know, I grew up in Carlton um, in the 80s and, you know, the Halcyon days. And the Kernahans and exactly. <laughs> Correct. So, you know, pretty easy club to go for when you're um, in the schoolyard as a little tacker. But uh, unfortunately... I lost. Um, I lost the battle with my son, who barracks for Richmond now. Uh, right. which, well, he would have been happy on the weekend against like, uh, against Brisbane when they they kind of uh, decimated themselves in the second half. But yeah, wow. So the Carlton Richmond game. What what happens there? Do you go? Do you get out to the G and you sort of wear your kit and sort of have a bit of a, a bit of a Barney? Mm, yeah, I mean. It's yeah, it's a tough one because um, I, I, I vowed to never be one of those parents that would allow a divided family situation <laughs> to take place. But uh, here, here I am. So, and one of my friends who's a, you know really mad Richmond supporter is you know in one of those divided families that I swore would never happen to us. And um, yeah, he's he's the one that's offered to take my son to all the Richmond football right, okay. so, so. There you go. Excellent, Matt. Uh, thanks for telling the story about uh, virtual the early days on why you created the business, the opportunity that you saw, which came um, obviously from um, some overseas trends and, and how you're positioning yourself locally and the achievements that you've done thus far well, i really look forward to catching up and uh yeah can't wait to, to chat again and see how the progress is going on virtual thanks so much chris really great to chat and thanks for having me on for more information on sub 11 jump onto our linkedin or email me chris at sub 11.com.au thanks for listening